when I was when I was going through that, I didn't, I, I couldn't manage my emotions. I think maybe if I had a better, not a better, because that's unfair, uh, another male role model, or my dad, me and my dad could communicate, it mm-hmm. might have been a wee bit better, or a big bit better. Grabbed as much pills, etc., as I could out the cupboard. Tried to like squash it, so when they make a noise, as I walk back up the stair, walk back up the stair, and barricaded my door, took all the pills, and then just lay down in my bed. Got really bad. And that wasn't because of that. It just got bad because a combination of me not understanding myself and no, no treating myself for the right way, treating myself with alcohol, mm-hmm. just getting more mad with it and mad with it. So I thought, wonder how many times you could climb Ben Nevis in 24 hours. JD, and we're on. We are, Dan, we're back again. Uh, and today, our guest is Tony O'Neill. Tony, how are we? Yeah, I'm all right, guys. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for You're coming welcome, on. You're welcome, Yeah. So, Tony, um, we made contact not too long ago, so we did. Yeah. By a mutual friend. So, um, you have a story, for sure. Yeah, you've, you've had your own mental health problems. You've done a lot of community work. You have your own clothing brand as well, so um, let's get ma- let's get right into it, Tony. So, we are guests. We always go back to their kind of their childhood, their childhood and their family, and, and how you kind of grew up. Whereabouts did you grow up, Tony? Um, so I grew up in Addingston, uh, which is known as Tea Cake Town. So I grew up near Tonics Factory. Right, obviously, um, and absolutely loved uh, my childhood. To be honest, I think. Um, over the years when you meet people and then you reflect on life, uh, how people have had uh, like their childhood and grew up, mine was brilliant. Um, we stayed um, in a little cul-de-sac, which was near like a football park, woods, um, climbing frame, all that kind of thing. So us growing up, we were out all the time. Uh, it started off in the street because we weren't allowed to venture far. And uh, we used to play curvy football in the street in the garden. And then we ventured down south a little bit to the football park, Porterswell Parks, where we used to spend a lot of summers there. Um, go between Tunnocks in the mornings for our chips and then football um, down in the park, the new parks. So it's quite a, uh, it was a good upbringing. Good. So what about brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got a younger brother called Kenny. Okay. Um, both uh, very similar in some ways, but very different in other ways. And we found that growing up, growing up there was... We got on well, but we also uh, fought a little bit, as brothers do. Well, we can relate to that, Dan, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was, uh, the funny thing is, he was actually the better footballer to start with. Uh, he played with like, like pro youth teams and that. What's the age difference, Tony, uh, between two, two years. Same as us. Aye, mm, so when we were, we were quite competitive in that way. And uh, he used to score corners and free kicks for like 30 yards when he was 11 and all that. And then he would join my team. Uh, but as, as we got older, um, we've got on really well, really close, and he's been probably a big part of my mental health journey, to be honest, in Animalia. Brilliant, brilliant. Similar, similar to us, uh, our mental health, I don't think I'd have got through my, my, my life without having you to lean on as well, Dan. So, yeah, definitely be able to relate to that, Tony. Uh, so, we's, we's very competitive growing up then. How, how did that work? Did the two of you play football or...? Yeah, it was playing football. Like I was, I started off with like a right back. I was quite uh, 
like stiff. I wasn't like skillful or anything, and he was actually the more skillful one. But as I got older, I don't know, I found my feet, and then I started being able to dribble. And I think um, seeing him, how good he was, probably spurred me on. But in yeah. a jealousy way, I think that, I don't mm. know if that helps, but then you also, me and him did play a lot together. So like, we'd play in the back and we'd go our favourite teams and you'd do that thing where you kid on your Ronaldo or yeah, something yeah, and then yeah. you're in goals. And then we also used to play, we spoke about this the other night in fact, playing uh, football in the living room with a tennis ball. We'd and then the we, the if you couldn't fit, if your mum had the tennis ball, you'd use a, a ball of tinfoil. <laughs> so, yeah. We used to use a sock. We used to use a sock. Soaky We used to call it, yeah. Yeah. Aye, didn't we? With yeah. a hand even the two. See, and that's the thing, you just used to look at anything to, to keep you entertained. And just as you said that, you, the, the kids don't get that anymore. Uh, Kirby, out in the, the streets, all looking forward to your summer. I think they're, 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 they're things of the past. Uh, we we a lot of a lot of kids growing up now, so that was your your your, your kind of family. Life. So family life was good then. Your mum and dad, everything all, all all good in terms of that side of things. Yes, especially I would say that before I was a teenager, um, that was it was magic. Um, mum and dad used to support us going to football, especially my wee mum on a Sunday cheering you on, hearing the screaming things like uh, I'll not forget that. And then my dad teaching us how to play football, drawing, making things. My mum used to be quite creative, even though you might know, we didn't really understand that, but when you look back, she used to make his like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle the costumes, like an actual shell with cardboard. But looking like back that. now, you realise how much work went into doing things like I that. I don't know how she done that, and I'm a yeah. youth worker, and I'm like, that's, that's a different level. So, um, really good, really supportive. Um, they done their best, they didn't make mega money or anything, but they always made us feel um, like special and birthdays, they made a, a, a big deal of it. Um, but then as, I, as we got older and I became a teenager, that's when it kind of took a bit of a turn. Right, okay. And um, what happened there, mate? So, I probably didn't understand myself. See, when you become a teenager, mm -hmm. I was used to being very active, like I said. that We spent hours playing football, running about. But a big thing for me was my, my weight. I, I seemed to start gaining weight despite me being that active. Like, I could run. There was boys I played with, played football with who were pro youth who trained a lot and I could just about keep up with them and I wasn't playing pro youth. But because of my weight, it used to bother me. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was something that I never really dealt with. And my dad, he... So him and my mum, um, the relationship broke down and started breaking down a little bit. And then... What I've then realised over the over the time is that we found out when I was about sixteen, I think it was about sixteen, that my dad was actually adopted. So okay. he never he never knew his his real his, uh, his biological mum and dad. Mm -hmm. And even even that alone, we then heard that his by his his adopted parents, um, his mum was lovely, but his new dad didn't. Want, want a lot to do with him. So mm -hmm. I think when I became a teenager, see, because he never had anybody when he was a teenager properly and didn't know how to deal with teenagers, me and him clashed. Right. And I think um, that just that was just like a volcano. Like, it was to the point where I couldn't talk. So my male role, fact, my mm -hmm. male role model was my dad to a point, but he wasn't there. Um, he wasn't there for me to talk to about guy stuff. 
Yeah. My mum had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Bless she had her. To the two roles. She had to. Um, she done it. She didn't complain about it. She done a lot for us. Do you know what I mean? Um, even though I kind of looked up to him more to a point, did you do that when you're you're a wee boy? Um, so I that was a bit of a, that was that was probably quite difficult. And then being at school, and then seeing other people how their dads were more involved, mm. and I, I just felt my dad at the time like I wanted to play. The PlayStation room. I think it was a PlayStation one at the time. That's how old we are. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't. He wasn't that interested. I'm looking back to uh, the computers that <laughs> passed through my mind there when you uh, said that. Um, so yeah, he wasn't quite into things as much, but mm-hmm. he was working more. And then it, it turns out that he 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 had a lot going on, but he kept quiet a bit. Right. And when I got to about fourteen, fifteen, that's when he. Um, there was talks he was leaving he was leaving the family home so my mum and dad never ended up getting divorced but they, they, they separated mm-hmm. but the bizarre thing, thing about it is that it never really I don't think it bothered me and my brother because we kind of knew it come, was coming because things weren't really great yeah. so it was kind of like we understand why we're not together mm-hmm. do you know what I mean some people are try to stay yeah, together yeah, and they yeah. shouldn't yes. it, it made a lot of sense that mm-hmm. they would they would part um, and at the same time that was like exams so I think I was fourth year fifth year and you're thinking what you want to do mm-hmm. when you're 30 40 what's your career so I was kind of told that it was expected that I was going to be an architect where did that come from? my dad thought that was a good idea and that's what I wanted to do <laughs> yeah. um, and, you go. and it was it, it couldn't be further for the truth um, I was decent in graphic designs I ended up getting a higher a higher C in fifth year but see when I reset it to improve I failed it yeah. <laughs> so that just shows you the kind of just level I was at I shouldn't have went for it the second time but, but see Tony see how you never had that connection with your dad mm-hmm. in your teenagers or your, your teenage years growing up right uh, did you do did you go kind of not rogue, but kind of, you weren't the kind of straight and narrow, you were doing things or you were trying things that, 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 or you were, you were in an environment that, that wasn't good for you as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I, I was more kind of quiet, so I got away with a lot of things in a way. I, I didn't do anything. Who was, was quiet about quiet. you and your brother? Or me. Were he you the was, quietest? Uh, he's the, mm. he, he, there's bits of me that wanted to be a bit like him. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a bit of he'd a lot more balls he was like he could stand up free sale better he could he could stand up free sale better he could just I don't know he just wanted to do his own thing right, and he didn't okay. worry about things as much not necessarily to hurt people around there just what he wanted to do he's kind of a wee rebel in that way or if people messed him about or his friends they would all be like, nah, you don't, you don't mess up it with us. And I kind of, I was a bit more scared, even when me and him could Barney and we could hold our own. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I was just, didn't want to let that out. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit more sensitive with things. My mum's always said that, I'm a bit more sensitive. And I used to take offence to that. And then I've realised what she means by that. I was more a thinker, I was more quieter. I didn't need to shout all the time. And then when you get older and you do certain roles, sometimes people expect... You have to shout. For example, I was a PT, and some people thought you have to shout to be a PT. No, you don't. You can talk to somebody. 
or if you're a, a football player, you're a captain, you don't need to shout at people. No. You don't need to barney. You can lead a different way. You can lead by you doing things, you putting yourself in situations, do you know what I mean, and how you respond to that. So when I was when I was going through that, I didn't I, I couldn't manage my emotions. And I think maybe if I had a better not a better, because that's unfair, uh, another male role model or my dad me and my dad could communicate, it mm-hmm. might have been a wee bit better. Or a big bit better. So when is you when when you were a teenager at fourteen, when did things start you realising that maybe you did have a bit of a mental health problem or things weren't quite right and and how did that kind of spiral? When I look back, when it first things first started, I probably didn't think there was anything wrong because I right. thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. So it was when you're first introduced to to drinking and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when was that, Tony? I was about. I'm going to say fourteen, virgin on fifteen, like okay. four, because my birthday's at the end of August. So I'm going to say it probably in that summer. So mm-hmm. I would have been fourteen, but technically fifteen, if you know what I mean. Um, and that's when we first started. Just it was just cider. It was nothing major. It was just bottles of uh, Frosty Jack. Or yeah. the other one, it was the glass bottle. Merida. Merida. Just that. That was it. That was quite cheap. Two quid. Yeah. Saved up your 20p's. One fifty when I was younger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it started off with that. And it was just at the park where we lived. So we made the pee started drinking. We actually kept ourselves to ourselves. We didn't actually venture anywhere. We kept ourselves in this park um, and used to roll about the grass here, but nobody was there to hurt. We weren't there to hurt anybody. We didn't hurt ourselves. We just rolled about for a bit, sobered up and went home. That mm-hmm. was the kind of mm-hmm. the thing. But then the more you do that, the more you want to do the, the next thing. So it was like Mad Dog mm-hmm. or Frosty Jack, three litres. Tried tanning that at fifteen three liters. <laughs> that wasn't good. So I get caught I get caught for that. I bet you. Uh, I get caught and uh, I had to I had to clear out the shed that 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 with that hangover. That was brutal. It never put me off, but I bet you. um it was I was caught because my dad's pal uh, seen me down the street. Um and it still didn't bore me. I was like, all right, okay, I'll take my punishment yeah. and then just keep going because I I kind of enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed that. I felt like it was it was a laugh when you were part of something. You're part of part of something. That's what I used to get. Fit. Then you were part of a community, part of a group, and you did keep yourself yourself. And the fact that maybe the father figure was missing in your life that gave you a, a bigger community, you kind of talk and, and and share and and have a laugh, as you were saying. That's it. All, all I wanted was to be part of a community and have pals and talk to people. And I probably went about it the wrong way. Probably didn't value myself as much and started doing this. And then I was, then with my dog, my thing was downing it. So I could down it in one go. That was what okay. I used to do. But the states I would get in. Party piece. Aye, yeah. that was my party piece. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, ju- it just continued. It just got worse. Um, but I was still playing football, still trying to enjoy that. Um, played by a wee team, and then our main game was a it was a Friday afternoon. That was the, that was the, that was my highlight of the week. Playing on a Friday afternoon after school, you'd get down to the, the Hamilton Palace grounds, um, and we'd play Uddingston v Bovo. That was a that was a first near old firm game. That was quite a that was a meaty game. Every every week that was. Is that rivalry? It was it was a big one. Um, and the funny thing is. Um, 20 years on the boys that were on the other team um, I've been pals with a lot of them I've got a lot of time for a lot of them or I've helped them I've worked I've PT'd some of them um, so that was pretty cool but that was our main thing 
And uh, I remember like the, the real turning point was the pressure of exams, the pressure of no knowing what I want to do. And then uh, uh, I went upstairs. I had like, a wait. I used to try and do weights in my room. So I went down the stair, um, grabbed as much pills, etc., as I could at the cupboard. Tried to like squash it so when they make a noise as I walk back up the stair, walk back up the stair and barricaded my door, took all the pills and then just lay down in my bed. And then I kind of tried to go to sleep and all I remember is my mum just banging the door. What age were you, Tony, then? I'm saying I was about 15. 15. About 15. Okay. Um, and I remember my, my next door neighbour, Paul, he was about 10 years older than me. He was a good influence in our life, mm -hmm. but he introduced, played football with Paul. He was quite a good, he was, although he was 10 years older, sometimes quite hard for older guys to get on me, young guys, because they're doing different things, but he was quite patient with us and um, used to do, played FIFA ways and that. Brilliant. Um, introduced us to Resident Evil, which I think he enjoyed because that first <laughs> scene when the dog jumped through the window. Oh, I remember that we, we were screaming, so I think he enjoyed that. But Paul, so Paul had to, Paul came to the hospital with me and I remember that. Um, I was just, I was just crying. Um, so your mum found you, she went and got Paul then? Yeah. Um, took me, I don't even know if I was in an ambulance or somebody drove, I can't remember. One was I was in hospital and I had to drink charcoal mm -hmm. because if you drink charcoal it can help your stomach because they thought um, I might have done a lot of damage to my stomach by taking a lot of pills. Mm -hmm. um, and then my dad, my dad came and he was he was gutted. He he thought it was his fault, but it, it wasn't his fault. It was it was nothing to do with him. It was me and what I was battling. Our relationship wasn't great, but it still wasn't his fault. So he thought that was his fault. Um, and he tried to fix it in a way by, um, I know Barry Ferguson's in there, uh, he bought me a Celtic strip. <laughs> so <laughs> it was the only Celtic strip I ever actually owned in my life. Um, I grew up, although I liked Celtic, Papa being View Park into Motherwell, had this Celtic strip. And then he got me that. The counselling, I tried, a, a nurse or somebody tried to talk to me and I, I don't think it lasted long. I thought I was all right. And then that was like a Monday, Tuesday. And I went back to my football on the Friday with my, Celt, my new Celtic strip on, played that game like nobody knew a thing. And it wasn't until I spoke about this maybe a few years ago, the MD for school would ever knew. Wow. But I didn't tell anybody for a long time. Did you time. not get, see when you get released or even when you were in hospital, did no one come to see you from the care system or the kind of the social services or no, not that I remember. Nothing sticks out. No? Um I don't really remember any follow up things mm -hmm. to do with like uh, counselling why like what triggered or no. where this came from no, or looking. And like my say, my school nobody in my school knew. So I d I didn't talk about it. Um but I think what ended up happening is over the years, see see when I when I drank like I used to break down and cry a lot or no all the time I'd be quite fun part a lot of me was dancing used to love dancing mm -hmm. pure happy go lucky love it and then maybe the end of the night I'd just be just a mess do, do you know what I mean like yeah. struggling I get that I get that because when when I was in my stages uh, addiction when you were out in the dancing when you were in the dance floor everything kind of Stops like that. That's your wee piece. It isn't it when everything quiets down in you yourself when the thoughts start coming back in, and that that's when the problems start. Correct. Aye, aye. Snowballing the thoughts. That's good at a time. 
but once the time passes, then it, it gets quite painful. Yeah. And going through that, finishing school, leaving school with it, with some qualifications, but I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, found myself... Did, sorry, Tony, just to take you back, did the school not even be made aware of what happened to you? The, no. No? no. No. Never got in for the school. Uh, I don't think we... I don't think my mum knew about today. No. But dad mm-hmm. didn't know about today. My my family are for a different generation. No, they're not supportive, but they, I don't think that... I don't know if that ever happened to anybody before. It happened to people before, but I don't know if it happened to I don't know. Yeah, ancestral I've, line, I've, but you don't know I've when you're no dying. No, I've no idea. Um, so, see when, that, see when you took the overdose and you said your dad was gutted that mm-hmm. you'd done that, did your relationship with your, your, your dad change for the better or did it just remain the same? It got worse. Oh, it got worse? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it got far worse. Um, uh, it got really bad and that it wasn't because of that it just got bad because a combination of me no understanding myself and no no treating myself for the right way treating myself with alcohol mm-hmm. just getting mere mad with it and mad with it and then him as well can do a spiral himself do you know mm-hmm. what I mean um, he he was younger um, he won a European Youth Cup medal with Murrow mm-hmm. I've got it in my house um, he was Probably. a tennis champion um, even I'll get into this later but when just before he died, his handicap golf was like four or five. You're talking about like a 23, four stone guy who works all the time, who still had a decent handicap. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So mm. he was quite, he was athletic, even though his, his later stages being older and bigger, he still, he still was a lot more athletic than you would, you would uh, maybe look at him. Mm-hmm. Um, by that, our, our relationship got far worse before it got better. Um, and that, Again, that was a combination of me leaving school, not knowing what I wanted to do, and I think that maybe frustrated them, maybe. I think it maybe frustrated them because they thought I could do better just because they believed in me, mm-hmm. as opposed to it was just being mean. Do you know what I mean? I think he just thought, you're far better than this, but he wasn't good at articulating that. It's kind of like he used to warn us about certain pals I had. But I used to see that as he just doesn't want me to have pals. Yes. But when I look back now, he was right. He was right. Mm. Aye. He was fat. He was really right. He just didn't know how to articulate it, I think. Yeah. And again, it's going back to maybe what's happened with your dad, your dad being adopted at younger. You don't know what, what's happened there. And that's probably then, as you quite rightly said, he's maybe not been able to know how to deal with you at a teenage years. And that's why it's kind of... Uh, it's happened unfortunately oh definitely there's, there's people I've spoke to since about that and it's well known now about ACEs and trauma mm, and of course I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, lines. how he's ended up even the first part and don't get me wrong even though we didn't get on well he's still done a lot for us and uh, he was a really good dad and really somebody that my mum uh, when she looked back she, she's got a lot of good things to say about him so the fact that he how he started in his life and how he was was pretty pretty special and unique so it's just sad that I had to go through that um, the the battles and the fighting so we ended up um, I ended up in hospital because I was fighting with him wow what age was that mate? was that when you were um, I was about 19, 20 mm-hmm. okay and he stayed up in Montrose and we we went up, me and my brother went up to see him. And we weren't getting on well, but we we're trying to make things work. But I was I was just 
I was just wanted drinking. I didn't care. Um, so we went up and we're, I remember we were sitting having a conversation like this and he was talking to his mate and he said something to his mate and I just went, nah, that didn't happen. And he went, he said something and I just went, ah, you're talking shit. And I don't know where that came from because he was a big guy and I was always a wee bit scared of him sometimes. And uh, at just this point, I was like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm just going <laughs> say what I want. And uh, we had to leave because of that. And then we were, we were arguing. And then my brother, he just said, um, I've just went for him and started trying to hit him. And he's trying to go for me. And I, I just, I always find it funny that, I, I don't know why I asked this, this is my own wee ego here. Um, I asked my brother, how was I getting on? He said, ah, you were holding your own, you were doing all right. And then uh, I turned on him and then he, he had to, he ended up hitting me. And then uh, I ended up tripping over a curb and banging my head. So I ended up with a concussion um, and my face was just a mess just because I'd fell. Mm-hmm. So I woke up in Dundee Hospital. I was like, I didn't know where I was. Um, and they two, were, they two were still in Montrose, so I had to get the train for Dundee to Montrose. And that, that was pretty bad. Has you don't, had you all been drinking that night? We had. Um, but at that, like, even my mum spoke about that at the time she she was she was raging she was quite annoyed about it but now over time when I look back I, I wouldn't really I, I was a main instigator I'm mm-hmm. not saying I deserved that I'm not saying but it was me that really went for it yeah. and I just if, if I had to do the same thing I don't drink anymore anyway now, so that's yeah. been years I've no drink mm-hmm. so I would deal with that a lot different it, course, it wouldn't absolutely. come to that it wouldn't and I don't have any um, for, in terms of my bras role in it Aye, he, he probably had to do that because mm-hmm. I was going for him. So what's he meant to do? No, exactly. Yeah. I exactly. could have maybe done self-defence or something, but what is he meant to do? So yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. So you left school at, at sixteen, yeah? Yes, uh, seventeen. 17. I, I left at six year. Probably shouldn't have stayed on, but I was a bit lost. Okay. Completely you lost. Said that. Mm. And what did you do when you left school at seventeen? Yeah? So I started working with uh, an electrician, an industrial electrician. That was my dad's pal. Um, and then we started going about different places uh, one being there was a view park gym that was built 20 odd years ago um, and I was running the cables and drilling the holes so all the sockets you can see in the wall here I, I used to drill them, carry stuff, labour so because I had that fitness or that drive mm-hmm. that thinking that I was heavy but knowing I was fit I always wanted to prove myself physically so mm-hmm. I've got that wee bit underlying that I had to so I was a grafter so I was quite good at lifting and doing things like that the only thing I couldn't do was the the electrics but because I'm colourblind so I wasn't allowed to do any yeah. of the socket stuff because <laughs> it's not good if you blow something no, yeah. would, be, yeah, no. would be too good would no, be too good think, you never know. told us you were colourblind <laughs> Tony <laughs> bang <laughs> there you go there you go um, so I couldn't do that but that, that was good fun I went up to Lock Goilhead and I was on a fish farm had to run cables so my job was to pull cables off a drum that was like five foot high I remember that because my arms were burning Um that was a, that was an experience doing night shift. So I enjoyed bits of it, but I, I didn't enjoy, if, if, you know what I mean? Um, and I ended up, I left that to work in British Gas. I worked in the call centre. And that was quite significant because all I wanted to do in British Gas was help the customer on the phone. 
but I couldn't sell for it. I couldn't sell anything. And how was terrible. your mental health at this point through the, the these the, these careers? Did it get better from when you were a teenager, or did it gradually get worse? Or what would you say? No, I got it got worse. Definitely, um, I I lost my self confidence was down. Um, I gained a wee bit more weight. I wasn't I wasn't playing football as much. Um, I drank more. It was rather than a Friday or a Saturday, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. So I used to drink every Thursday night and then try to go to work on a Friday. That was constant. So I was constantly either late or getting hungover. Um, and uh, that, that, was not, that was not great. And um, I then, with British Gas, the, 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 the stress I tried to sell to people mm-hmm. was, it was too much. So I was on probation for six months. And uh, I remember one specific call. It was an old guy phoned up, an older man, and he was trying to sort out his, his package for his house. But he started getting really upset and was crying. And I was only a young boy, and I was like, is that you okay, sir? So he told me that his, his wife had died, and he was blind. So his wife done everything for him. So I remember I must have spent about half an hour trying to talk to this guy to try and help him, to mm-hmm. try and talk him through it. I wasn't trying to sell anything to him and um, finished the call um, and felt quite good about myself. But then I was getting pulled up for no selling. And um, I remember there was a manager who, we go on, hi, she, she had her moments in the work and I don't think she was nice to a lot of people and nobody really said anything, stood up. So I had a probation call. And she said to me, Anthony, why you, I heard your calls, why, why, are you, why are you no selling, etc. And I'm like, because I, I want to help people. I'm not good at the selling bit, but I'm, I'm all right. At, I want to try and help yeah, people. Customer service side. Customer yeah. service. Mm-hmm. And um, she didn't quite, she wasn't quite keen on that. Um, she said, why are you no smiling when you're calling? And I'm like, because I'm stressed. I'm stressed at my butt, my, my banger, you don't care. And she went, we do care. And I just went, do you fuck? And that's when I just, Changed. Mm. I just went for a wee quiet tone in the office, and I was like, "You talk shit. You are talking shit." And there was two, there was two <laughs> older women next to me who'd never heard me swear my puff, even though I did swear. But in that work, I was very quiet, and they two were just looking at me like, "What's he doing?" <laughs> and I'm just, like, I'm just like, "I'm um, just uh, like, you, you just don't care about people. We try and help customers. You don't even care about that. You just want to sell things." Um, and she kept going and on and I just went seeing another thing I don't even like you and then she got up and walked away and uh, I felt quite good about myself I'm not going to lie because I stood up to somebody um, and then I went to my mum up in the office at the time oh, no. and then I, yeah. I walked over to my mum and went um, I think I'm going to be leaving today <laughs> <laughs> so I told her what happened and we left we agreed mutually to leave even the work yes. and then mm. that, that was it it wasn't for me. Um, and then I started working in Tesco night shift. So I started doing eight o'clock at night to seven in the morning. Um, and I started playing football again. So I'd say that probably helped a bit. Helped with the mental health, getting back, yeah. training. I then spent time with uh, older guys. And I don't know if being around older guys helped, who were kind of like a bit of wisdom, mm-hmm. also funny, and kept me a bit in the straight and narrow a wee bit. Um, they were good with me. Um, there was one guy, Sandy Grieve, who would be, Sandy must be in his 70s. So when I was working there, he was um, 50, 60 odds. So he was a good good bit older, but he was funny as anything. He was like, as if he was 18, but he was like an old guy with a beard. He was dead funny. Good um, model. I really liked him, um, talked to me a lot. 
And um, it's when I was talking to him, they always used to say, Tony boy, you know what I'd be doing this the rest of your life, son? Like, cause I was night shift, I was doing 11 hour shifts at um, 2019. I'd done it for four days a week. And um, I was, I remember I was stacking the bottom shelf and um, do you know Katie Tunsil, yeah, singer? singer, yeah. Uh, suddenly mm. I see, mm. this is cheesy as end, but this is what happened. <laughs> so suddenly I see came on the song, the lyrics, suddenly I see this is what I want to be. And I was just like, I want to go to college. And Sandy's like, go for it. And then for that, I applied to go and do fitness, health and exercise at Nautical College. And then I got in. Brilliant. So then I started my journey, got to college. Um, our family had not a lot, actually done a lot of education. They're actually really skilled people, like tiling, um, joinery, um, plastering, all that kind of things. My family and my dad being an engineer and all kinds of things. But in terms of education, it wasn't really a thing. So that's when I started my fitness, health and exercise journey at Nautical College. Um, and in some ways, that was a turning point. Um, but again, when I started college, that's when I, st uh, I started taking uh, drugs right, a bit more. Okay. Um, started taking ecstasy and all that. Uh, the first time I'd done that, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, um, just because it gave me a nice feeling. I didn't take too much. I took a wee half. And I thought I thought I thought this was great. I remember sitting in my arm room someday, shaking, well just saying I love you, mate. I, I don't even know who it was. Some random guy. It was it was a it was a good connection. Um and then uh, from there I think that that was the point where um I was in because I was I don't know if it's because I was in drugs or run people. Um, there was other things maybe got to be involved uh, and I was at a party one night where MDMA was there uh, was about and I got asked to take it I didn't want to take it because I just wanted to drink I wasn't bothered but I'm pretty sure it ended up in my system somehow and uh, all I remember is, is leaving walking down a, uh, from my house for Fallside uh, not from my house for where I was in View Park down Fallside which is the road down to Uddingston and there's a big truck slash industrial estate as you're walking before the bridge. So I saw the train track and I was just in floods of tears. So I had to scale two fences to get to this train track. That's wow. how determined I was. And see how the fences, they're no mega So that sharp, was your second time of trying to that was my, life. Aye, that was my second time. I really thought I was going to do it this time. Uh, was on, jumped over the two fences and was on the train track walking, just, just crying. Um, and then a train came. And then I was like, no, I can't do it. So I jumped off mm -hmm. and then I phoned my brother um, and he he came and got me. And I, I, I owe him a lot for that. You did say that? Yeah. And your brother's been a big part of you, how you've turned your life around, is that correct, Tony? I, he's, yeah, he's, he's always, everybody's got their challenges, but he's always, he's kind of looked up to me or he's always pushed me or celebrated or supported me in every kind of way um, so I'll have a lot for that and I think that that's that then drives me to try and do what I'm trying to do that gives me a bit more confidence um, to even be here and do this like I've got the support from my brother so I can do anything brilliant yeah, Tony brilliant, mate. see so after that Tony so when we were that was the second time you, you and then your brother came and got you what, what was life like after that second time uh, I trying to attempt did things get better quickly or did they get worse again or 
they never got as bad as that. Good. But they they weren't like great for a while, for a long time. But I did try and get better help this time. Um, I done counselling. Um, I get prescribed like antidepressants, but I didn't really take them. Um, I kept drinking. So what kept happening was there was times where I'd drink and I'd just get upset again. I, just, mm -hmm. I didn't know what to drink, but I didn't know how not to drink. I wasn't like necessarily addicted. I just didn't know what I could do with my life because my social network was drinking. Mm -hmm. So what, what else am I going yeah. to do? So mm -hmm. if I stop drinking, I'm going to be even more lonely than I'm feeling now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But then when you're feeling lonely in a group of people, it's your pals. That, there's, that's not really a good so, feeling. That's, quite, right that's, there that's horrible. So um, I think there was, a, there was a good turning point though. Um, after I managed to go through college, so I did pass my college course. It was in HNC. And um, there was only six out of 24 that passed. And I was one of them. Good. Um, and then I had the chance to go to uni. Never thought I'd go to uni. And then I went, I'll, I'll do it. And then I get accepted to go to Caledonian to do sport and active lifestyle promotion. And that's probably what's got me to here today. Um, but quite a significant part was um, I went and worked in America. I went and worked at Camp Allen. Okay, with, ki with kids and adults with disabilities. Brilliant. How long was that for, mate? I've done it for four summers. When was that? What uh, year was 2009, that? 2009, okay. 10, 11, 12. And, um, and how was that experience? Oh, that was brilliant. That was... That was the best. That was where I felt more like me ever. I felt accepted. Brilliant. Um, I felt that... The real Tony. Aye. I felt more like me. I didn't have to drink. I did drink, don't get me wrong. I partied. Yeah. But when you're at camp, you don't drink. You look at, you're trying to look after people. Or more importantly, you're trying to ensure that campers have um, their own Disney world. Mm -hmm. You're there to make sure they yeah. have a good time and look after them. So that was drilled into us for day one. And... That's something that's never kind of left me that. And also it's not left me as well. Before I went, I would ask a lot of questions because I was got to be doing one-to-one -one care for people. Mm -hmm. Guys, guys only work with guys, but girls work with both. But in terms of one-to-one -one care or care, guys only work with guys. So I was a bit scared. How am I going to look after somebody that's my dad's age? Mm -hmm. I need to do everything for them, like clean, white, feed. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do that? Um, so that was a that was a big concern. They didn't actually think I would turn up. They thought I was. They didn't think I would come because I asked that many questions. And um, I did turn up, and I uh, done my first week. And I just remember the campers coming up on day one, and uh, it was very daunting because it's people that I'd never seen before. And it's hard to describe. It's just people are we're all different in many ways. But you're just, a different country. Different and, country. Uh, yeah. I've never seen people with certain disabilities mm -hmm, before acting certain ways. People that might not have a physical disability, but have got a different disability and they act different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just had to roll with it. You just had to go on with it and just, just learn as you go. That was it. You really had to learn as you go um, and work as a team. You had to work with different people for the, the different staff members as well. So being Scottish and being in America and working with people for South America, different parts of Europe, different parts of Asia, to quickly learn, one, slow down when you're talking, two, um, you can communicate in different ways than you know. So that was quite powerful. And the, the campers I worked with, like I owe them a lot because 
I always get frustrated with people how they, they talk about people with disabilities until you're actually working with a lot of people and you see there was certain there was loads of campers there that the one thing they have that we probably don't have is they they don't give a fuck <laughs> in what they do. See if they want to do something, see if they want to start singing on this mic, you know, they'll belt that out. They've not got to wait for anybody or worry that who's got to say this or that. Or if it's an activity they like, they've just got to do it because they want to enjoy it. They know what they enjoy and they'll do it. And that, that I think Life that's should massive. be like that sometimes, shouldn't it? Uh, it really should. So that was quite special. Finishing my first year and then getting asked to get back as a lifeguard. So I got asked to go back as a lifeguard because during my break, I used to go to the pool and join in mm -hmm. by day camp, mm -hmm. by the different campers in the pool, sometimes helping them go in, just be there and have a laugh. And then they thought, do you want to come back as a lifeguard? Never, wasn't, I wasn't even a strong swimmer. I could swim like two lengths a 16 metre pool. So I had to then train to be a lifeguard. I had to be able to swim 30 lengths in an allocated time. So um, I went to Hamilton, water, Hamilton Baths, right. the water palace, and um, I remember my first time going in a half seven in the morning, the only people there are older people, I'll mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure a few of the guys were in their 70s and they were swimming like fish. And I was mm -hmm. this young guy thinking I'm fit as in, and these guys are just nice and easy, but they're just going back. Different level and of I'm fitness. Like, just count? Yeah. Aye, so it was techniques. So that, was quite, that was quite humbling. Yeah, I remember when I was in the army, I used to box in the army and we always used to go swimming about four times a week. I remember two of my mates, they were like county swimmers. And I was a fat old boy, you know what I mean, when I was in the army. And and I thought I was a good swimmer. But these were just, just like fucking fish in the water, man. I was like, fuck, how the heck can you swim like that, man? You know that's yeah, it's right. just all technique, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, so, so when you were in, in the US, you think that was the game changer for you being there aye that, that's probably aye massive definitely having the confidence to be in America um, everything that came with that like the having, tools and the the, the tools the... Um, even things like travelling to New York on a bus let's, let's go on a bus yeah, let's just go for it no mm -hmm. fear let's go um, meeting all different people I used to go home with everybody having it way we used to go at a bar called 313 that at the time it was it's probably like LGBTQ kind of bar but this was like 10 years ago so there was everybody there and we loved it we used to do karaoke and I've never done karaoke in Scotland in my life but I was singing Lady Gaga Alejandro every time I went there so just loving it it was so good <laughs> dancing away we go dancing no caring um, just really just let go enjoyed ourselves Um but also became a bit more mature because mm -hmm. then you then you started when you work with people and they need your help or care at three in the morning. I was a, I was one of the ones that could get up just because I'm a, a light sleeper. Mm -hmm. So I was I was one of the few, not one of the few. One of the, uh, there was a group of but some people just slept through. But I was you always, one that I could relied on to get up. Yeah. So I remember doing that and just feeling I quite good about that. Um, good. But can't move near worked if it wasn't a full team effort. But there was people there that were like, if I'm ever needing, if I'm dying, I'd want them to look after me. They were just angels, That's some nice. of them. Mm. They were just some That's beautiful amazing. souls. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I think you've got to have a beautiful soul to be able to deal with uh, 
disabilities and the type of people yeah. uh, needs a certain type of person so amazing and that's obviously gave you the life skills and a lot of techniques to be able to take on to your, your further career yeah oh, it has and, what you've done. And, and during that time as well there was it was quite a significant moment, um, and that's kind of how Anna Malia started. So that was when I got a phone that call. That happened in the US, mate? You, or you had that idea of... of no, the the reason behind Anna Malia, so my... So tell us about Alan Amalia for the, the oh, listeners. Anna Malia, so. sorry. So yep. Anna Malia is now known as a, a fightwear and sportswear brand. Mm-hmm. So basically our aim is, is to sell fightwear sportswear, um, to use the money to... Um, give young people or adults opportunities to take part in sport or physical activity. Amazing. Brilliant. And that was kicked off as a tribute to my dad. So while I was at camp um, in 2011, my my brother phoned me uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning to tell me that uh, my dad had died of a heart attack. <sighs> so when that happened, um, I had to fly home. But one of the bizarre things about that is when I'm talking about why camp is so good for me. A few months before that, at the start of camp, Frances from Australia, um, Frances Evans, was a nurse and she was telling me about her dad who had died of a heart attack roughly the same age. But this was before this happened to me. Mm-hmm. So she was telling me how they celebrated her, da- her, dad's, da- her dad's life, done a lot. So for some reason, me talking to Frances and then that happened to me the same year was just mad into how things like that happen um, so that kind of that probably helped um, so of I had course to, it did so I had to go home um, obviously um, and then the funeral was the 17th of August so I wrote a speech um, done all that I'd never really done public speaking when I was at uni I was petrified of public speaking mm-hmm. but I was I thought I have to do this and that kind of helped me get more confidence but knowing I, not the way I wanted put it that way no of course um, and then I had to fly back to America on the 18th of August, which is also my birthday. My so birthday's on the 18th. Oh, How weird's that, Tony? There we go. Good guys, Leos. Good guys, Leos. <laughs> um, so that, that was also bizarre, having to fly back on your own birthday after your dad's just a No, that's thing, strange. It's mad. So when I get back for camp, there's one reason I went back as well. My dad gave me the money to go that year. So I was like, yeah, I have to finish this. What yeah. am I got to do in Scotland? Like, mm-hmm. This is where I'd I'd be doing better. Um, and then finished my year at camp, which was good in a way, but obviously no, I had yeah, to history that. Yep. And then I spent, uh, I then the drinking got a bit worse, but uh, I went on two three day benders when camp finished. Nothing really happened. It was just mere drinking. In mm-hmm, fact, mm-hmm. a hurricane happened and I didn't remember any of it. <laughs> so, so when folks see yourself through a hurricane, Tony goes, I actually did. Actually, I'm not kidding on. I remember we were saying goodbye to people and we sang a song. And um, there was like, I was, I was rot, my head was down and you're singing and you're upset because people are leaving. Then the person leaves and I just turn around and there was like trees had fell on camp and I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a good sign for me to try and wrap that. Yeah. Um, and then I came home. I finished my last year at uni. Uh, my dissertation, another thing, another weird coincidence, it was my, I'd done my dissertation on why people exercise and what motivates people exercise. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I was worried about my dad's health. Mm-hmm. But again, I'd wrote that, the dissertation proposal before that happened. How mad is that? Um, so... That's that's probably triggered me into what I'm trying to do. 
Um, even my own health in some kind of way, because I always think he was 53, I'm 37. There's a wee thing in me, I've got, if I get 13 years left. Mm -hmm. So um, that's always on my mind. Mm, I bet you. Um, so then went through uni, um, ended up, fortunately, get inheriting some money from my dad. It was a big wad of money that I'd spent well before Anna Malia started, but I'd spent it in like two years, but it helped me go through uni, yep. helped me get through driving. And then um, I had this idea at that time, 2011-ish, uh, 12 was Animalia, Animalia Sport and Fitness. Um, I, start, I started off trying to teach people to get fit, mm -hmm. running boot camps called Tony's Boot Camps. Right. And it was a wee guy that run up a hill. I'd done it in paint. I've still got it on my phone, I'll show you later. Um, it's literally a stick man running up a hill saying Tony's Boot Camps takes you to another level. Brilliant. So I had that idea that I wanted to try and support people to get fitter, fitter. and healthier. When I was doing uni, my last year we met we met cardiac rehab patients so i'd already met people that had actually had heart attacks but had survived mm -hmm. and they were older and the reason why they were then recovering was because they were prescribed exercise or other health things to help, get, sorry, help them get better um, even though they were 60 70 years old they were walking a mile to a day and i thought that's amazing how somebody older who's meant to be frail and fragile, is actually quite strong and quite fit. Mm -hmm. So that inspired me to try and set up Tony's Boot Camps, but the name wasn't quite that good. Um, and from my brother, he used to always say about my mental strength, so going back to him and the support, the yes. belief, mm -hmm. I always had that idea that unleash the animal within, mm -hmm. unleash this animal on you. So even if you have timid or thingy, you can still have a line in you, you can still can. roar. It's about trying to bring that to the surface, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where, that's where Unleash the Animal came. Brilliant. And that's where Animal stuck it. And then yeah. i done something that when you're at university or school, you're told not to do. So I went up with used Wikipedia as my research. So I, I looked up Animal on Wikipedia. And then from that, there's Animalia, the kingdom of Animalia. So everything that's living and breathing in his soul is Animalia. So I was like, that's the kind of company I want to create. Okay. And that, that's what I went with. Um, and then it, it changed into, um, from the wee Tony's boot camp to a line, and then the line got better and better. And then f at that point, I started working as a sport and lifestyle, no, children and young people's sport development worker for Royce New Faction. That was my first major job in sport and community health. Um, and was that working with young young people and adults in Royston uh, started there in 2013 so Camp Allen was significant working in Royston was just as significant because I went into an area where certain areas are class certain things because of where they are or economics whatever um, but I went in with the idea that I don't know everything I just want to get to know people and how I can make a difference. I made mistakes when I was there. I tried mm -hmm. to prescribe and do things that just didn't work or yeah. I thought I knew. Mm -hmm. Quickly I learned that I didn't know. Um, but what I found is there's a lot of good people in a lot of areas that they might um, maybe not have the same opportunities that I had as a wee boy. So going back to me being a wee boy and being given everything, yeah. there's people that get squat and they're still doing all right and they could maybe do even better if people just open their eyes a wee bit and give them, them that chance. So, um, Burton, Burton as a children, children's sport development worker was a privilege and it's something that made me see that this is what I like doing. This is kind of fitting me more. 
far better than an architect. Or an electrician. Uh, so how long did you do <laughs> that for, mate? How long were you in there? i done that for three and a half years. Okay. And it was part of the Commonwealth Games as well. So we, we got to take young people there. Oh, brilliant. When I was going through uni, we to learn about the Commonwealth Games and bids. So we became a bit more... Uh, critical about that, critical thinking, um, open-minded as well. But it was interesting to see us discuss that to then actually doing it and seeing how that could help people. But then you quickly realise that legacy is quite hard to do. So it really needs to, if anything in the community is going to work, it needs to, the open door thing, it needs you to keep going. Even when the, the there's nothing shiny there. No, you, prob you probably need to just it when the weather's minging or there's nothing happening. It's more about having that door open um, and doing your best to try and keep things running. I love that. Yeah. Like, so I, three and a half years and then what happened after that, mate? I decided to um, go with Anna Malia full time. Be no idea. I've no clue how I was going to do it. Okay. I've just done it. How are you, um, you supporting yourself then? Managed to get a small loan. Okay. And I also bought uh, 150 t-shirts. Uh, it was a box line logo. That was our very first t-shirts. And uh, half of it was right and half of it was uh, back to front. So I had to manage that. It was <laughs> like the print was inside. It was just weird, but it worked. People liked it. That was a mere random thing about it. Mm. Um, I, yeah, that's how I get started. And from there... It was running about, it was 2016, Christmas time. And, uh, in fact, sorry, in November, I just met Jamie McGowan. So Jamie McGowan Sr. was one me to work with his son, Jamie McGowan Jr., um, who was an up-and-coming kickboxing fighter. Brilliant. And we met behind uh, Morrison's petrol garage. That's where we met, doing a, a deal with a hoodie. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Dodgy uh, and this is where me being shy and quiet I was quite intimidated to speak to him in the fighting world but mm -hmm. it was also that part of me was like I'm quiet but I'm like I'm going to try this so I had that bit about me um, a confidence a wee bit of confidence yeah, that step. a wee bit of confidence and then even for being a young boy I used to get chased and battered and all that and run for the boys that were living certain lives and it's only now I understand maybe why they're doing it and I can talk to them which is quite bizarre so from meeting Jamie and that they introduced me to the Punisher Kickboxing Academy in Rogan where they also were very nice to me humbling a um, lot of savages there great cool. people but really down to earth and took me in and then I started thinking what is this martial arts game about I was used to playing football and you're thinking you're hard because you play a Saturday morning amateur but then mm -hmm. you're People quite actively hit each other or wrestle each it's other just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's a lot of skill to it. There's a lot of uh, light work where you're not trying to hurt people. You're, that's not why you're in it. And it taught me that maybe this is a good outlet for people. I want to see more about this. And then as I made the T-shirt, um, somebody contacted me about Rashgard's fightwear. I mean, you open to making fightwear. Would you, like it? Would you like a sample, sir? And I'm like, I'll try a sample. And then from there, we started making fightwear. I just started preparing. Um, started working with different athletes, Kimberly Rennix at the time, still Kimberly Rennix now, um, who's a common gold judo athlete. Like, that's 
different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael McGurk, pro boxer. David Ayrns was a kickboxer. He'd, he'd won some titles. He was a good guy, very nice guy. And then different people. And my my sport interest and my, the geek in me as well just wanted to be around these people. Yeah. They're doing things that you can't do. Yeah. They're pushing their body to different levels. And I'm like, I, I like this. But also they're human beings as well. Um, so there's a difference to people like that, but there are also similarities. Um, and then in 2017, that's where I just went with Animalia. Good full time. But at that time, I had a meniscus injury and I was told that I might need surgery to fix that. So I could wait for surgery or I could train and it, I might not need it because it wasn't a serious, serious one. So I was like, right, I'm going to try and train. Um, but I'm going to need a goal. I'm going to need to set myself a target in 2017. So I thought, wonder how many times you could climb Ben Nevis in 24 hours. I thought, right, let's, let's do it on the 11th of August. I'll date to celebrate my dad. So when I told people that, they were just like, aye, very good. It's <laughs> <laughs> another one of your good ideas. Yeah. It's just as good as that drawing of the, the logo. Um, and then I get introduced to Ali Smith, who... Whose daughter, who's, his daughter's called Laura Smith, who I met at camp, and we became pals. And his birthday, pre- his uh, sorry, Christmas gift was me training him. <laughs> All right, I'll get your face. So that was his Christmas. <laughs> so, I uh, so we I started training Ali. Um, Ali was early fifties. Um, had been played football all his days, quite like a hard and centre back, multiple broken noses. You talk to him, he's like, all right, like, uh, yeah. quite a, quite a figure. Yes. And I was going to be training this guy. Um, so I was I was scared of him again, but I thought, I've got to do this, I'll just do it. And then I remember him, and he's like, all right, son. I was like, all right. And he's like, you're the boss. You tell me anything, I'll do it. I was like, right, okay. Right, cool, let's go, mate. So Ali, Ali, Ali really found it hard in the morning to get up out of his bed. Like, he's not got up, but... Um, to stand up, his hips were killing him. Mm-hmm. A lot of pain, a lot, a lot of pain. Couldn't squat down, so even try to sit in a chair, he found that difficult. So we haven't we worked on that. And then while I was training him, I just thought this guy just wants to do everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't care. And there was a wee bit of me in that, and that's why I like working with athletes. Yes. Look at this wee Drive bit in between just, their teeth. Savage, like, you say that aye, a bit savage in them. They like the burning. They like that, and I'm like, okay, let's push this. So started training him. And he's like, nervous. I tell him about the nervous thing. He's like, I want to do that. I'm like, you can do that. I never really known me. He's like, ah, you can do that. I was like, okay. So he decided he wanted to do nervous just once, but maybe in June, July, mm-hmm. just as a way of him getting over his hip and feeling a bit better. And then we were training. We used to do Sundays in the gym, me and him walking on a, a treadmill, pushing a sled, vice versa, with Queen on pumping in the background, just me and him, just had a key to the gym, that was our thing. And um, it was the start of May, and he's like, Tony, I feel like I could do this soon. And I was like, do you want to do it sooner then? So he's like, let's let's do Nevis sooner. So we climbed Nevis in May 2017. It took us uh, two and a half hours to go up. That was it. First time him doing it, two and a half hours up. And two hours back down. First time he'd done it, four and a half hours. Just like some that. time. Brilliant. Good time. That is some time. Mm. Um, that was something else. I've got videos of that. And uh, he, when he got to the top, uh, he started running. So when he finished the last 100 yards, he was jogging. That's what he was doing. So um, 
that that stuck with me as well. That was, and for me, with my dad passing away and me being into sport and fitness, that kind of let go a lot of um, guilt that I had for my dad. I thought I was got to save him. I thought um, I was the one that was got to help him. When he died, I could have helped. Do you know what I mean? I had a lot of that for a long time. That was years that was built up. Um, because, like I say, although we didn't get on for a period of time, the last two years we did, we were mm. pals. Okay. I actually used to be able to talk to him and tell him things. I wouldn't get on him, I would just speak to him. But it was like we were, we were good pals, do you know what I mean? We had, um, I were mere pals and son, father, son, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? So, reality, that, that was probably a big thing for me that I felt I've, I've done that and I've helped another, like another dad. You know what I mean? So, and then the Nevis thing came. Um, he done it twice. I done it three times. Uh, Michelle Gillian, they done it three times. There was other people that done it once or twice. Um, we raised a, a, a few thousand pound um, for charity. Well, we went to them. We didn't take it. Just yep. went to charities. Yep. Um, I think there was about fifty people involved. Super. And then we just kept doing it year on year. Um, and. And then um, we so in memory of your dad every year you used to again. So in 2018, um, Ali, Ali done it four times. So he done it four times in 23 and a half hours. This is Ali couldn't get up out of his bed. This is Ali couldn't get up out of his bed. And Ali was the type of guy that if you probably met him, like I said, that quite hardened, but he's still a nice guy. He still cared about people. If you were on a hill and and you didn't know the hell or you were a bit unsure, he'd be the one pushing you, he'd be the one trying to encourage you. He'd always do that, he'd always hang back. It wasn't about Ali, it was about other people. And and then, so then, obviously Anamalia was growing, so he would, he, I've got a, a frame, he framed Anamalia, we were in the Daily Record once, it was the business bit, it's not like the front page, but it's still good. Yeah, of course it is. It's still cool, but he, he cut that out and put it in a frame for me, I've still got that. And um, got to the rash guards, we started doing the pose like that with the Scotland assault tyre. And um, we'd, we'd done a few hills, loads of hills together, loads of good times. And um, I then he done it for, he done it before, the following year. He, he couldn't do it, he, he wasn't up for it. Um, and then, because that was 2019, mm -hmm. and then we used to go a lot of walking, just me and him. So we used to do a Sunday walk, and this was this was what's probably helped my mental health more. Like just see, just walking, course mountains. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and just chatting and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it, yeah. mate. That's it. And the the whole thing with the the actual Ben Nevis idea as well, or doing something like that was, if I was going to be training or doing a hill at the weekend, I wasn't going to be drinking the night before. So that helped me stop drinking because I'd something to look forward to. This was yeah. my social time. And um, from that, we built up a wee community and people were doing it. But he he was struggling a bit in November. His leg was bothering him. Mm -hmm. He didn't know why. He thought it was like a muscle injury. And then in January, so that was 2020, um, he said he had to go to the doctors and the doctor said he had to go to the hospital. And then he's like, mate, he just, he just asked me if I'd come to the hospital just to see him. Yeah. And he's got a problem with his leg. So I actually thought, um, and this would have been better, that he's he was got to get his leg cut off or something because it was that bad, because of the, the, it was like a clot or something. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought he was got to tell me. 
we wanted to tell us was that he had cancer and uh, it, it was quite serious. Um, so I thought Ali being Ali that he would he would sort he would he would be all right. Mm-hmm. So then never realised the the magnitude there. Obviously, cancer is massive. I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. I just never never been through that really. Um, it turned out it was a lot more serious. And then the course of like six to eight weeks, he went for quite a quite a formidable guy. To he just um, he just shrunk. Um, and the thing is, when he was doing that, uh, he was still wanting me to train him. So I took him to the gym. I took him to the gym, and he was uh, he was lifting weights that were just there was no weights. He was trying to do it. He was trying mm-hmm. to push a chest press when he there was no weight on it. Or it was like a two. Um, and uh, he was still trying. He, he was pushing me when I was doing the sled and that and I remember mm. I kind of snapped at my wee bit I felt terrible for it it was just it was just something mm. for me now, but I felt bad about that um, but he was there trying to do his thing um, and then the, the last time I spoke to him he was just saying just about what he'd went through because at that point he hardly ate he'd hardly eaten a long time and you, if you've ever seen somebody get through mm. it it's awful and um, he said without hope what do we have that was his thing so that was quite a profound thing and then uh, he passed away and then again where at I had to uh, I got asked to do a speech for him okay and I knew you were going to say that yeah. when you said that so, I bet Tony's up talking at the funeral as well uh, so I had to I wrote a speech um, and again an RB bizarre thing so Under Pressure by Queen was one of his favourite songs that's what he's trained to Mm-hmm. And um, I was sitting outside the crematorium in Muddle, um, and I had my reminder set for twelve o'clock. I think we'd take in something like that, right? But I had it set. We listened to the radio. Is that reminder went off? The radio came on under pressure. I was just like, this wow. is just bonkers. Yeah. So I was kind of just like, I don't even know what to to hear. It's pure random, but yeah. whatever it is, I'm no say I don't know what no, it is. No, it's, uh, it's really out there. No, the th- things happen things for a reason. Happen for a reason. Really? And plus, and it's whatever gives you that feeling. It, it seems right to you. It's and uh, and it gives you guidance that you're doing the right thing without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so that 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 so went into that and done what done what I had to do and think that hopefully I done a a good job for him. Um, and then fair air, just just for that, I think that it's probably I've struggled a bit for that ever mm-hmm. since that, obviously, because he was my he was my mate. I went no, walking with he too. was my um so I've I've not climbed as much hills as I have. I've also had injuries, I've done done my CL. Um but even with that, I've done torn my CL, which I didn't know I'd torn that. Um I know I damaged that a lot, but I've been training. Um and I've got that I've still got him in my mind just saying driving you here man pushing you good so keep uh, that with you uh, but aye that's it's it's probably it's hard on me in a way more than what I'd have liked if I'm being honest Um, and the same with Animalia the things that I've went through with that to try and keep us going and still here and still here see the uh, thing is mate I mean it's See what he went through as well. It's just, I mean, and he was still going at the gym. 
Uh, no, I mean, and he's still, he, he knew he was going to die, but he was still going to the, the gym and he yeah. thought he was, it was it was purpose. That was his purpose because uh, he was, I mean, that, that, that was him. He was used to going there to the Plus, gym with you. that relationship you, know, and you he's, he's, he was giving that yeah. up. And obviously he was encouraging you and that kind of stuff. So that that, that was part of his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just that, that's that's just the fact that's that, bad. So the fact really... that before he, like meet people for the right reasons. Like if you had never met him, Tony, he wouldn't have done the Nevises. He wouldn't have the the experience that you shared together. Do you know what I mean? So, I that's it's a, be a beautiful story. Now, obviously, the... and he he's part of the journey as well. Of course, you know I mean, oh, he's, he's, he's 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 part of your journey, mate. So you just, you know I mean, just keep his memory alive. Just you Talking do what like you're this, doing, mate. And you see yeah. it. You're emotional. There's a big. You, you, the, the, there's massive feelings there behind uh, the relationship you had together. So nah, yeah, it was, it was special. And then uh, as a tribute to him, um, me, his son Blair, mm -hmm. and his pal Craig went and tried the Nevis again, and we, with the four of us, completed that. In 27 and a half hours um, and the reason why we completed it is because the fourth one Blair was what he scattered his dad's ashes on the fourth one mm -hmm. I don't think if we had to do that I would have done it right. if I'm being honest because uh, that was tough that was something else um, but we done it and I think uh, to do that with Blair um, I mean, I think about that boy I was roughly the same age when that's happened to his dad. I was about the same age as oh, boy. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Um, which is very, very bizarre, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm glad we got to do that as well. To, we'll not beat, I'll not beat that time. No. Yeah. Well, well, obviously we've got a lot of uh, listeners that go through similar kind of issues and, and problems we've had in your amazing story, Tony, and the way you're the now here and... The, the way you progressed and the stuff you've done in your life and the people you've helped it's just amazing especially with the, 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 the kind of problems that you've faced what advice would you be giving to your listeners anybody that's going through suicide or anybody going through suicidal thoughts at the moment Tony what, what would your advice you've come out the other end what would your advice to them be I think it's you have to I'm going to say value yourself but I understand if you're not feeling like that but what I mean by that is you can owe it to yourself to really try and find out or ask the questions. So if you go to somebody and you might not feel like you've got the help, go to somebody else and you you might find your way a wee bit. Um, it can be quite hard at times try to find the right help. But I would say some of the best things I did was seeking counselling. Mm -hmm. There's a counselling, um, there's loads of counselling out there, but I've spoke to Elaine for time and space, spoke to her for years, She's been really good good for me. She's also quite Glaswegian. She's not maybe a typical psychologist or counsellor. I hope Elaine's all right with me saying that. She's mm -hmm. actually quite down to earth, so that helped. I'm yeah. speaking to a kind of real person. Um, also, try to, try to figure out what I like to enjoy and what, what works for me. Mm -hmm. um, so cutting out alcohol was good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it was hard in one sense cutting that out and then you isolate yourself so then it's, oh, it's like when people say try and find friendship groups I know that can be hard and people are like how can I do that but it's you have to try something for yourself you just have to like you're, you're already surviving now you're already mm. thinking about it so give yourself credit there if you're actually actively thinking I need help or I want support 
you want to live. It's a level of state. That's you. Like, so go and make it. You can do it. You're already kind of there. And if things are really that bad, there's there's a lot of times where we've had things where we've thought it's that bad and then you share it with somebody and the problems maybe no it's bad. Doesn't mean to say it's no bad for that mm-hmm, person because mm-hmm. it can be and it can be quite painful. But it's it's not that bad that you don't need to be here. Like you can still be here and we can deal with that. There's a lot of things that can get dealt with um, in life, whether it's money, whether it's how you're feeling, whether it's you're confused by your gender, whatever it is, or you've got things you want to make a change in your life, you're allowed to go and speak about that. Because um, at the end of the day, it's, your opinion matters more than anybody else's, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is why we created the podcast, mate, to, for people to talk about these kind of issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's... No, it's great. I think it's great. I think um, you find that there's a lot of people that you can look at somebody and think a lot of them, and then you hear actually maybe a bit about them. Um, and I think this idea that the type of person you are, or whatever you're doing, whether you're running a brand, whether you're, you work, um, you're a Marine, you're in the Army, you're mm-hmm. a fighter, mm-hmm. you're a nurse, you're whatever you are, there's always stuff going on. Um, and I think it's good that we can share these things and then we can maybe do something about it and maybe not feel as alone. That's the kind of, that's my goal anyway. I love it. Brilliant, mate. So what's the future for, for Tony and Animalia? Well, the future is uh, kind of officially, officially this is like our seventh year. And if you go with Jorgen Klopp in seven years, that sometimes doesn't work <laughs> that doesn't out. Work out good. And I heard that today, so I was like, oh, great. <laughs> so does that mean this is it? No. No. And I even said that even with Jorgen Klopp, you can't build that team or do whatever. Uh, I'm not even a Liverpool fan, but I just thought that was good. <laughs> no, I'm um, So I think if I've got this far, it's let's see what happens. Um, we've, had, we've actually had the, we're actually in the, uh, the best position we've ever been in at the start of a year good. by a long shot Brilliant. at the same time you wouldn't have thought that with me I've been frustrated um, I went and broke something the other day I'm still no perfect I get my frustrations of course we do but then other things happen like I get to talk to you guys that, this has been brilliant um, I've well, we've, got to, we've got to start uh, releasing a comic book story brilliant yeah I remember bit, you telling me that when I we were chatting a couple of weeks back. Yeah, I got the yeah. PDF today. Yeah, kind of looks a wee bit um, like a Batman style. It's no Batman, but it's like that old classic. Yeah. Just as a way of telling something, just something different. Good. Um, working with uh, some of the schools. And I think as well this year, especially, I've realised what my role in the school and when I'm working with the young guys and thinking that it dawned on me that I've not been in their shoes but I can relate. Mm-hmm. I can relate to my family situation, how I felt, because sometimes I forget about that. Um, and I hopefully I can, I can do something there. And what I've realised is, uh, I'd like to think that we can maybe support people in some kind of way. I don't think I can fix anything. I, I don't hold myself that high. I don't, I just think if I can be ready to listen and we can make something kind of difference. And for the brand, I'd love it to, to grow we're making enough money to be sustainable on our own and uh, the people that have came through Animalia can be the ones that could take it on in future I've still got to be here now and for the foreseeable but ideally I think it's time for us to be a bit more well known 
maybe in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, but also have the team. I'd love it for young people or even adults, anybody that's been part of it to get involved. Brilliant. That's a, um, and we'll bring back your nervous challenge maybe next year. I'll next be doing year. it. I'll do it. I've done nervous. I've only done it once. We've done it in done a, a, a boot camp to me. Ran it. We, we ran up at one hour and one hour 55 and ran and done it in another an hour. Wow. That's. Uh, it was it was it was intense, but no, we will definitely do that with you. I was going to say so. Definitely, that that'd be amazing. It's been amazing having you on the show, Tony. Certainly oh, thank has. you, guys. Your inspiration, Tony. Oh, I don't realise you're you're a, a, a big inspiration. inspiration. You're humble when you come in, but yeah, you've 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 kind of inspired me in the the stories you're telling. And you can tell that that the, the uh, you held back the tears there for quite a bit you're very upset so I appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on the send, uh, uh, and telling that Tony the thing is as well Tony you do a lot in the community you don't realise what you're actually doing uh, you're supporting fighters young up and coming fighters that, that maybe when they have that support that, that kind of support yeah. by their, 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 their upbringing or, or whatever and they've went to the gym to, to train in martial arts so you're actually giving back. I uh, know. You, you don't realise that you are doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's been, it's been a journey, but what I like about that is, I uh, appreciate that as well, is that the young people are that we've tried to help. The good thing is, the older I get, the less I know what it's like to be a teenager. Mm-hmm. So see the contribution that we've had for teenagers in terms of the brand and what to buy or even mm-hmm. the colours oh, or the style yeah. Yeah. invaluable like great minds out there so it's it's just good to be in that space to work with people and that's mm-hmm. what keeps me going so love it brilliant I Tony mate I want some hoodies I want some t-shirts <laughs> I want we'll some get, of the apparel yeah we'll we'll, 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 <laughs> Sorry, we'll yeah. have all the links for the listeners to be able to get in contact and, and, and be able to find you LinkedIn and so how can people website? get in contact with Tony you get Instagram Facebook yeah, um, we've got Instagram and Facebook, Animali Apparel. Uh, feel free to DM, I always answer. Um, same way, um, Animali CICs or Instagram, or other Instagram page, and then just Tony O at LinkedIn. Brilliant, mate. Um, Tony, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, you're an inspiration. Glad we, you actually came in, in, in the show, and um, we wish you all the best in the future. Um, certainly do. For now, we are the Devlin Brothers. I'm Dazadi, he is Jai D, and we are Real, Raw, and Relevant. <laughs> <laughs>